Pastor George here. I wanted to take a second and thank you for checking out our online messages. Our prayer is that this resource will challenge you, encourage you, and empower you as you uh, dig deeper in your relationship with Christ. But in no way will it replace God's plan for your active involvement in a local church. I do want to take a second and ask you to uh, prayerfully consider as you participate and listen to this resource, partnering with Revive as we uh, pursue our mission of seeing people live their fullest life in Christ. You can do this by going online to revivechurchga.com backslash give and making a one-time donation or setting up a recurring gift. It's through the generosity of others that we're able to provide um, a resource like this one. With that being said, uh, I do want to thank you again, and here is today's message. verses 25 to 59. Um, So I'm going to do things a little different if you guys have heard me speak before. This time I'm actually going to go through um, verse by verse, not like every single verse, but um, I will be going through it as we read. So I'm going to pray for us. Once again, it is John 6, 25 to 59. Father in heaven, we thank you, O God, for your word. We thank you, O God, for being here with us. And we ask that you would just have your way, move in our hearts and reveal yourself even more to us in the name of Jesus. We thank you for the communion, um, bread and and juice that we're about to take, Father, in the name of Jesus. We have your way, Father, in the name of Jesus, amen. All right, so verse 25, started off from the very beginning here. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? So right there, I'm just going to give us some background as to what's going on here. So Jesus was in a remote area with his disciples, and a crowd of people followed him there. With this crowd, they saw the miracles that he performed. And so when Jesus saw them, he had decided that he was going to actually feed them. So his disciples brought uh, the disciples brought a little boy that had five small barley loaves and two fish. And Jesus blessed the meal and he multiplied it, feeding 5,000 men plus women and children. After the service was over, Jesus, he dismissed the crowd and he actually told his disciples to get on a boat and to cross over to Capernaum. At this point, the people, they actually, the next day I should say, they were wondering where Jesus was. They realized that he never got on the boat with his disciples, so they actually went in search of Jesus, and that's why we got the question, Rabbi, when did you get here? So on the surface, it seems like it's a legit question. It seems like this is a question that we may want to answer because, yes, Jesus never got on the boat with his disciples, but Jesus is no fool. He actually addresses a different issue. He does not answer their question. He says in verse 26, 
Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. So Jesus is saying that I performed the miracles yesterday. I healed people, and I also multiplied the bread and the fish, but that's not why you're looking for me. You're looking for me because you ate the food. Yesterday was good. It was delicious. It was tasty. Now today's a new day. You're hungry, and you want more of that food. So in verse 27, Jesus gives them some advice. He says, do not work for food that spoils but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works that God requires? So that's a good question. You're saying do not work for the food that spoils, but for the food that endures for eternal life. So how do we do that? What must we do? So Jesus responds to them. He responded to them. He said, in verse 29, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. He doesn't give them a list of things to do. He doesn't tell them, offer more sacrifices or confess all your sins and make things right with everyone. He doesn't say, clean up your act and be right before me. He says, believe in the one that is sent. Verse 30, so they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Now you see that question, if I was Jesus, I would have gotten offended. This question to me is a problem. The reason why is because, let's actually look at verse 31. Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So the problem with this is, First of all, you've seen the miracles that I performed. You know what I did yesterday. You know that I healed people and I multiplied the loaves, but yet you're asking me for a sign. And to make it worse, you're saying, well, Moses commanded bread to appear to the, the Israelites in the wilderness. He fed them and you're asking me now to command bread to appear from heaven and feed you so that you would eat and then you will believe us. Believe me. Well, it sounds to me like they're trying to manipulate Jesus into feeding them. They came with the intention to eat more, and this is what they're trying to push Jesus to do, to give them more food. Well, Jesus says, first of all, let me correct you. He says, it is not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. He says, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven, and gives life to the world. They're taken back and said, Sir, always give us this bread. Sounds like the woman at the well. She's like, Sir, give me this water so I don't have to keep coming to this well to draw water. But they're still thinking naturally. They're still thinking physical bread. Verse 35, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. Once again, you've seen me perform miracles, healing people, multiplying things. But yet you did not believe me then. I know you're not going to believe me now. Verse 37, all those the Father gives me will come to me. 
and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Jesus says that the Father has a will, and he has given this mission to Jesus to complete. In verse 27 again, he says the Father had approved, he has given him a stamp of approval on what this is that he has to carry out. In verse 39, he tells us what the will of the Father is. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall, number one, lose none of all those he has given me. He says, but two, raise them up in the last day. For it is my Father's will that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall, one, have eternal life, and two, he will raise them up in the last day. Now, I know from myself, and I can only believe that you may have witnessed this as well. At the altar, at a revival service, or just a church service, people giving their hearts for, to Christ, they're, cry, they're tearing up, cries is, I mixed the word up, tears is coming down, they're crying. <laughs> or maybe even laying out on the altar, surrendering their lives to Jesus. And then all of a sudden, days later, weeks later, months later, even years later, you notice that they've fallen apart with their commitment. They're not so much ready to walk that walk anymore. Well, sorry, <laughs> according to this verse here, as far as I see, according to what Jesus is saying, it is his commitment to keep you. He said it is his will that he will give you eternal life if you would look to the Son and believe in him. He says, if you do that, he will raise you up in the last day. So the commitment, yes, you can say, I will surrender my life to Jesus. But he says, all you have to do is to look to me, to believe in me. He says, then you will have eternal life. Then he will raise you up in the last day. Verse 41. At this, the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? At this point, the conversation is being escalated. It's no longer just, I'm here, I'm following you, I'm asking a question. It is now getting heated. It's getting heated for a couple of reasons. First, they came with the intention to eat. They were hungry. They knew yesterday they were fed, they were fulfilled, and now today we came and searched. First thing we want to do is be fed by you, Jesus. We want you to give us food. So they're hungry. So their stomachs is already one grumbling. The second reason is that Jesus is saying things that seems to be a little much for them to understand. The information seems to be going over their head, so that can easily get someone frustrated. So now... At this point, they're grumbling amongst each other. Verse 43, Jesus addresses that. He says, stop grumbling among yourselves. For no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up in the last day. Now, I think it's important that we actually look at the line that says the Father draws them. There's so much power that the Father has the Father gives and does, it's, that's involved with salvation. 
In verse 65 in the NIV, it says, it uses a word that I think really shows the power of God involved with salvation. In verse 65, it says, this is why I told you that no one could come to me unless the Father has enabled them. The word enable shows that there is power behind you believing. You see, in the natural, it's not easy to believe that God came from heaven as a man to be born of a virgin. And then, I mean, it is possible to believe that, yes, you know, we can be punished for each other. I mean, if you think about it when you were younger, if you have siblings, you might have taken a beating for your sibling for whatever reason. Hopefully, you know, you guys shared in that. <laughs> but truthfully, it's practically impossible to believe that this man would take your sins upon you, upon him. So, and then on top of that, to die and then rose again on a third day, these things some people may say is ridiculous, crazy, maybe even foolish. But Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1.18, he says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who believe, he said, is the power of God unto salvation. Verse 45, it is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. He says, no one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. So Jesus is making some serious claims about himself. I think about the religious leaders and they're saying, tell us, tell us already, tell us who you are. Are you the Messiah? Are you the Christ? Well, he says it right here, who he is. He says, I am from heaven. He says, I have seen the Father. He says, I am here. Your prophet speaks of me. They said, you will all be taught by God. So here I am teaching you in the flesh. Verse 48. Now, this verse, if anything we could walk out of here, remembering or memorizing is this verse. You would just say John 6, 48. I am the bread of life. Verse 49. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. If there's anything they're going to eat today is these words, because Jesus is just going to keep putting it on them. <laughs> Verse 50, he says, But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. Now, there's two things about that verse that I want to look at. First of all is the word anyone. I want to stress it, and I'm not trying to be cute or, you know, funny about it, but the word anyone really in the sentence means anyone. It doesn't matter your educational background. It doesn't matter your social status. It doesn't even matter what you believed before or, or your religion prior to believing in Christ. What matters is that you believe and Jesus says that he will give you eternal life and he will raise you up in the last day. Now John had a picture of the word anyone. He said in Revelation 7, 9, after this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, 
You see, John saw that everyone there before the lamb were different. He saw their language was different. Their face, they all didn't look like John. But he said there was one thing that was the same. He said they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. So when Jesus says anyone, he literally means anyone. Another thing about that verse that I thought was interesting is it says they may eat and not die. So I kept saying that anyone may eat and not die. Anyone may eat and not die. When the Holy Spirit took me to Genesis 3, verses 22. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. And that is because we were in sin. Man was in sin. Man had just disobeyed God, and God had to shut him out from the kingdom of heaven. I'm sure Adam and Eve probably at that point felt like it was cruel and unusual punishment to be shut out like that, kicked out of the garden. But I'm sure when they saw in the next generation when Cain murdered Abel, they realized the effects that sin had on them. I mean, we see it in our world today. I mean, all around us, in our families, ourselves sometimes, I would say, and in our country, just all together, the effects of sin have on us. Why would we want to live forever in that state? But Jesus says, here I am. He says, I have taken your sins upon me. So now you can take, now you can eat. Because I have taken your sins upon me, he says, now you can live forever. Verse 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply amongst themselves. I guess we got to look at that word sharply. This is no longer just a conversation or even a debate. This is now beyond escalation. They have Literally, I would say, I want to say, they have lost their minds at this point. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you. Jesus likes to rub it in sometimes, right? Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. At this point, Jesus is starting to wrap things up for everyone. He says in verse 57, Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. And here we go again. Your ancestors ate manna and they died. The food was temporary. They ate manna for breakfast. They were hungry again at lunchtime. They ate at lunchtime. They were hungry again for dinner. The point is that the food they were seeking, the food they were coming after, it was temporary. It was just for a moment's time. But he says, whoever feeds on this bread, meaning his body, will live forever. And he said all of this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Now, there's two things I want us to look at really quickly. 
and which if you guys have your communion pieces, you can actually open it. and have that ready. Um, so the first thing I want to say really quickly is the, the will of God, the mission statement. I want us to just remember this. Jesus says, whoever will look to the Son and believe in him, he says that he will give you eternal life and he will raise you up in the last day. The second thing is his body, the bread, and his blood, the wine. Now the end story of this is that the conversation was so radical, it was so much or so crazy, I guess, for them to handle that they rejected Jesus, they walked away. And it wasn't just the crowd, but it was his disciples, not the 12, he had other disciples. And you can just hear in the question, at least for me, I was just thought for a second, maybe he was a little hurt, I'm not sure. But he said to the 12, he says, will you also leave me? And they said, Peter, actually, he responded for the rest of the rest of them. He said, to whom will we go, Lord? You have the words of eternal life. And so they knew, they had this trust, this relationship, this intimacy with Jesus, that even though they may not understand everything now, they knew that he was going to explain later what he meant, and he did. He actually demonstrated what he meant. So if you take your bread... In Mark 14, 22, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples, saying, take it, this is my body. Verse 23, then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. He said, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. So in closing, Jesus gave his life for us from the moment that sin entered the world, even to when the covenant was given between God and man. Man failed, but Jesus paid for it all. Now his blood has initiated a new covenant a covenant that's between God and Jesus. And it says, whoever would look to the Son and believe in him, he says he will give you eternal life and he will raise you up in the last day. So Pastor George is going to come on up and pray for us and pray for the communion as well. I don't know if I went kind of fast. Maybe I rushed through in the beginning. I was a little nervous, you guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're great. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. Um, so often our hearts desire things that are not of you. And we look to all these things to kind of fill that hunger inside of us. But as Lucinda pointed out this morning, you are the bread of life. And when we partake in you, you satisfy. It's not the things of this world. We can eat the manna and we'll be hungry again. We'll eat the manna and we shall die. But Lord, with you we have eternal life. 
We, we took part in communion this morning knowing that your body was broken for us. Your blood was shed for us. There's a new covenant in you. And now that when we live our life in you, that we can be fulfilled, we can be satisfied, and we can be complete in you. We thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for Lucinda and, and the way she brought your word this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.